The scripture reading this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 8, starting in verse 14. I'll give you a minute to find your place. It's Genesis chapter 8, verse 14. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out every living thing that is with you, of all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they might swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, Cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And skipping forward to verse 9. Oh, I got stuck. There we go. Starting in verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 11. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall, I, shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I will make between you and me and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring the clouds over the, over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. In the last verse, Genesis 9.20, Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that um, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we pray as your, your servant comes forth to expound on it and preach that uh, it would fall in good soil, that we would not only be hearers but doers of the word, and that it would go forth not just from this community but uh, to the community around us. So we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. And what am I going to do as a senior pastor? The next passage. We're in Genesis 11. If you're in junior church, if you're a child in junior church, now's the time that you can make your way up there if you haven't done so already. All right, so if you're born uh, 2014, 2015, 2016, junior church is for you, and it's right over this direction here, okay? 
Uh, we are going through the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. We've looked at creation. We've looked at f the fall. We've looked, and we're looking at the flood. And uh, we've just actually finished the flood. And we're going to look and see what happens now after the flood. One of the main things that we'll focus on today is the, the covenant that the Lord God made with humanity that uh, we only briefly mentioned last week. If you remember, God said, I am going to make a covenant with you, Noah. And, and now we're going to actually see that covenant established. And so this, this is, uh, God has judged the world uh, and, and, his, and Noah's family were delivered from the flood by, by God's grace. And this is now a new beginning. Noah like, like, is like the next Adam. He, he steps onto the land that has emerged from the waters. And we're going to see two familiar things and one new thing. So two familiar things and one new thing. We'll see creation. That's a familiar thing. We're going to see creation again. But we're also going to see the fall again. We're going to see failure. Uh, also, something new we're going to see that was only alluded to is the covenant that God makes with Noah. And that's sandwiched between these, these two things of creation again and failure again. And so let's, let's get started with, with this idea of a recreation. As, as Noah and the company leave the ark at God's command, we hear the familiar phrase from, from the creative creation narrative, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. You see it three different times in, in Genesis 8.17, Genesis 9.1, uh, Genesis 9.7. The, the language gives the sense of creation, of a recreation, a new beginning. And there is almost always a really good feeling associated with new beginnings. It's filled with, with hope. It's filled with dreams. And, and why is that? We, we all kind of know that, but what, why is that? Well, I think, I think firstly there's this excitement factor. New is always exciting, isn't it? Might be a little scary, but, but it's, it's also exciting, right? I, I've got a new job, or we're buying a new house. We've got a new car, a new bike. We've got a new dog, right? Things, are, things, things that are new get us, get us excited, okay? But there's, but there's also the reality that, that we would do things differently if we got a, a do-over, right? If we had a new start, we would do things differently the next time. Right? That's, that's almost always the case. And so I think that's why these, these new beginnings always fill us with hope and excitement. And the wonderful thing is our God is a God of new beginnings. Through Christ, we never have to feel that, that God hangs our mistakes over our head. Even, even if others don't forgive us, we can be assured that God will forgive us and welcome us into his arms. And, and understanding the reality of God's forgiveness 
toward us. That really helps us to forgive others who have, who have wronged us. You know, perhaps, perhaps, you know, we can't really trust them right away, but, but we can always forgive them. Now, Noah also presents an offering to the Lord. And this reminds us, again, back, back in the early days of, of creation, the first offerings that we saw with Cain and Abel. Right, again, it's, it's very familiar. The most important part that we see here in regard to Noah's offering is the Lord's heart being expressed. And, and here's what the Lord is, is thinking. It tells us in Genesis 8.21. Right, he says, the, in, the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Right? So even though that's true, God will not judge the world in this way again. Here's, here's, some of the, here's some of the differences in this recreation narrative. The first is fear and dread. Wasn't mentioned in, in, the first, in the first part, in the beginning. Fear and dread in verse 2 of chapter 9. It's the fear of dread of man in the animal kingdom. There seems to be this harmony between all animals and human beings in the beginning. But now, that's replaced with something. Everything was very good before, and now we've got something referred to as fear and dread. We also see a direct permission to eat animals. All right, that's granted. We didn't see that before in the, in the first creation. Uh, the restriction is, is no longer the fruit of a tree in the beginning, but the blood of animals. Blood is not to be consumed. Even though, even though you can consume an animal, you're not to consume the blood that's within the animal. And there's this focus on blood as, as the life of the creature, right? That source of life. But even further, the blood of humans, we're told, is not to be shed at all. And here we get this kind of sense back to Abel and, and his blood calling out to God for judgment. It, the Bible clearly outlines the sanctity of human life. God values the life of people over the life of animals. And, and the reason for this is stated again. It's, it was already stated before, but it's stated again in Genesis 9, verse 6. For God made man in his own image. Now, this, this might seem like a, well, that's obvious sort of thing. But, but it's really not. I, I had read an article of a, of a professor... 40 years teaching, and for years and years and years, he polled his students with this question. If your dog and a stranger were drowning, who would you try to save first? And he got the same results 
for the, for the better part of 40 years of his teaching. One-third voted for their dog. One-third voted for the stranger. And the last third said, I don't know what I'd do. And I'm, I'm guessing some of those people didn't have a dog either, <laughs> right? So I think if actually everybody had a dog, I actually think that would actually be higher. Those results may be surprising, but, but a world that, that constructs its values through feelings will go for the dog and not know what to do unless someone or something trumps their emotions. It's, it's only when values are rooted in something greater and higher than us can we confidently make right decisions. And if the intentions of our hearts are evil from the beginning, then you can't go on your feelings alone because they will lead you away from your gracious creator time and time again. God values every human life. Now let's move on to this important topic of the covenant recorded in Genesis 9. God makes mention, as I said before, he makes mention before the flood to Noah of a covenant that he was going to make with him. And unlike the familiar creation language that we've seen so far, this covenant language is new in our study of Genesis. Notice the language. The first thing we see is the covenant is God-initiated. You can see it in, in verse 9, verse 11, verse 12, verse 15, verse 17 of chapter 9. Look at all the personal pronouns that are used. God says, I will establish my covenant. I will remember my covenant. I, 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 my, my, my. It's all God's initiative. We also see that the covenant is everlasting in verse 16. We're told twice that God will never again destroy the earth through a flood of judgment. And history has proven that fact. There, there are no historical accounts of a worldwide flood occurring again. And then the sign of the covenant, the bow or the rainbow, is God's reminder of this covenant. It's his reminder, we're told. It's not our reminder, it's his reminder. It's not up to Noah or future generations to remember this promise in order for it to be fulfilled, God himself says, I will remember it. And if God says, I will remember it, then we can be assured that he will always remember it. We, we see other major covenants come up in the Bible. With Abraham, with Moses, with David. But, but this covenant with Noah, even though it doesn't get a lot of attention is very unique in that 
unlike the other covenants, there's no re conditions required for it. There, there's no, I will make a covenant with you if. There's no, if, there's no condition. There's no if here. The covenant is completely unconditional. God takes full responsibility in keeping this covenant, and we'll see why this is important in just a moment. This covenant points ahead to a greater covenant. In fact, all the covenants do that in the Old Testament. They all point ahead to a greater covenant that we see fulfilled in Jesus called the New Covenant. And there are many similarities with the Noahic Covenant and the New Covenant. The New Covenant, like the Noahic Covenant, is God-initiated. It is everlasting. It is unconditional. It is all those things. But the New Covenant is different in that it is much, much more. It's much better. That's what actually the book of Hebrews says in chapter 8, verse 6. It tells us there that, that the covenant that Christ mediates is better since, is it, since it is enacted on better promises. The promise of the new covenant is better because it's not a ceasing of a certain act of judgment, right? That's what the Noahic covenant was all about. But the ceasing of all judgment. The promise of the Noahic covenant is not that, that judgment would cease, but that it would never be my means of a global flood. Right? That's, that's, the, that's the covenant with Noah and the rest of humanity that would follow. The new covenant through Christ has a promise of no condemnation, no judgment, and that is infinitely better. So the new covenant is God-initiated. Jesus, the Son of God, came to us. God loved the world in this way. He gave his only son. And this new covenant is everlasting. It, it promises eternal life. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And it is unconditional. It is all the work of Jesus. And it only requires trust in Jesus and his sacrifice from us. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Now, how is a perfectly just God able to remove all judgment that we rightfully deserve? Well, let's, let's go back to the Noahic Covenant sign, the rainbow. It's interesting that this, this sign is for God's memory, not ours. You remember I told you that? God says, this is for me, not for you, for my memory. And this sign takes up an astounding six verses 
in this, in this account. Genesis 9, 12 through 17. It, it definitely requires some attention from us. So let's, let's briefly examine this sign. Notice first that the word used is bow. God said, I have set my bow in the clouds. Verse 13. Now the Hebrew word for bow describes a tool used for hunting or a weapon used for war. And the picture is God hanging up his cosmic war bow in the skies. And it's no longer pointed down at humanity, but instead it is pointed up into the heart of heaven where the Son of God dwells. The target scope of God's judgment, those crosshairs are fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And did you know that the rainbow only exists when there is both the falling rain and the shining sun? We could use some shining sun right now. God could only bring us a promise of no judgment through the outpouring of his wrath upon the shining, glorious Son of God. That outpouring of God's judgment for our sins happened on the cross where Jesus died. He died so you could be pronounced not guilty before the judge of the universe. And the rainbow is one of the most beautiful sights in all of creation. Do you remember when you were a child and you would see a rainbow and how excited you would get? Look, a rainbow! You'd get so, you'd get so excited. You'd want to tell people, have them come and see it. Perhaps you want to try to race toward it and find where it is. Perhaps you still get excited as an adult. <laughs> what God did for us on the cross is simply breathtaking. He would remove all the judgment against us as sinners who have believed and placed, who have believed and he has placed it all on his beloved son who willingly bore it all for us. And, th and that's how we can rightly remove his judgment from our lives. That's how God can rightly remove his judgment that we deserve from our life. But more than that, more than that, God must really love you. I know many of you know this reality, but, but hear it again and again until, until it drips out of your soul and, and it's your constant song no matter the tune that, you're, that your life is playing right now. Because we see failure again. We see a fall again. And, and you need this reality of what God has done. Because just like in the beginning with Adam, Noah fails also. Noah plants a vineyard. He finds himself in a garden, just like Adam. Very familiar. And he takes the good fruit of the garden and sins with it. He gets drunk, strips off his clothes, and passes out in his tent. Noah's sin exposes his nakedness, just like Adam and Eve. And Noah's sin leads to his son's sin, 
which leads to conflict within the family. It's Genesis 3 all over again. And now we see why God makes this covenant with no strings attached, why he makes it unconditional. Noah may have been the best of men, but he was still a man at best. He brought his, his heart that is prone to sin into that ark and from that ark into the new beginning, and God was not blind to that fact. God was not saying, I sure hope it works out differently with Noah. He proclaims after Noah's sacrifice that the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Remember, it's, Noah, it's only Noah and his family that are there. And that's why he makes an unconditional covenant with Noah and the rest of humanity, because he knows we will bring ourselves into a state of deserving to be judged just like those before the flood. Humanity will continue to fall, but God delays his judgment, and judgment can ultimately be escaped, but only through God and the promises that he makes to us in Christ and in Christ alone. So how can we wrap this up? Well, you can't make a new beginning on your own. A lot of people, Christians included, think they can make a new beginning on their own by simply removing themselves from the sinful elements surrounding them. While this is not a bad idea, it's not a complete idea. The Christian bubble does not work because you still have your sinful heart in you. And Noah is a perfect example of that. All of humanity was wiped out. Only he was left and still sin popped up its head again. You need something more brilliant and spectacular to make a new beginning. Something more beautiful than even a rainbow. You need the glorious beauty of the Son of God himself as your only hope and you need him as the blazing center of your life. And as, as you trust him and gaze upon his eternal beauty and soak in the depths of his love for you, you can live in a state of constant renewal because only he can truly do the work in your life that you desire. And he will be faithful to complete it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what we have learned from this post-flood world. It's really no different than the world before the flood. Sin continues to, to dominate, but thank you that you show us that your understanding of this, that you have a way that will take away not just the judgment of a flood, but the judgment of, of all eternity. It would only come through the piercing of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Him taking the judgment that we deserve. Thank you for that reality. Thank you that we can have a constant new beginning in Christ and in Christ alone. We pray in his name. Amen.